It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. That's right. This is Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. As always, I'm joined by Mario Batanzi. And Mario, I know we usually open up the show with Ebony and Ivory, which we are, Ebony and Ivory, Batman and Robin. But I wanted to do something a little different. Now, if you listen to that, that is James Brown, the big payback. If you don't know, you better know. But here's something interesting about that. Tonight, ESPN, Game 4 in Miami, the Heat, and the Spurs, and that's right, Mario, you know I'm a Heat fan. So are you where? insinuating, Nick, that this is going to be payback for the Heat? Payback. Payback <laughs> at home after being decimated. That's 41 points. And, and, and if, you, if you just join us, we're going to be joined by ESPN writer and journalist and a and, and man of so many culturally diverse type of things. We're going to talk to Scoop Jackson later on in the program. It's going to be fascinating. But the Spurs did something that never happened in NBA history. 41 points in the first half. I mean, I was astonished watching this game, but that's right. It's going to be a big payback. LeBron, Ray Allen, Chris Bosh, D-Wade, Spur fans, Sit down, go back to the Riverwalk because it is on tonight. Nick, you really, you really think that Ray Allen is going to have a big impact in this game? I feel like they've oh. tapped that well dry, man. They know they haven't tapped the dry. And you know, you know what they need to do with Ray? They need to sit him on the bench until five minutes left in the fourth quarter when it's close, and then just say, "All right, Ray, now you can go play." I'm going to tell because you because he doesn't do anything for the first three and a half quarters anyway, wait, Nick. Wait, wait a minute, he, he's not a great defensive guy because of course I mean he's in his twilight hour but let's not be mistaken that right side of the court corner three is Ray Allen land and you're right as long as there's five minutes as long as the game's on the line Nick (laughs) if if the game is close and the game's on the line Ray is the the number one shooter that I would want above Reggie Miller above MJ above anybody honest to God but for the rest of the game like, and in a Spurs team that is explosive on offense as this team is and that is so deep and they can hurt you so many ways, you have to sacrifice some sort of offense to stop these guys. And from especially after what we saw from Mario Chalmers, Mario Chalmers is the point guard of this team technically, but really it's LeBron James. They need to get the ball out of Mario Chalmers' hands. In fact, do you remember, did you ever see uh, the spoof that SNL did on Stephen A. Smith where Jay Farrell was being uh, Stephen A. Smith? He goes, Mario Chalmers should be locked in a closet and not be even allowed to touch a basketball. That's you know what? exactly what needs to happen, Nick. Mario, here's the funny, here's the funny thing. I, I would agree with you with this. Mario Chalmers is definitely off his game. His his psyche is somewhere else. I mean, turning the ball over, being not efficient enough from the three-point range, something has to happen. LeBron James said it himself. 
they have to get Mario Chalmers psyche back into what's happening with the Miami team. Now, go back to Ray Allen. Now, say whatever you want to say about Ray Allen, and maybe Eric Sposter should tell Ray Allen before he goes out, hey, listen, view this as being game six, 10 seconds on the clock, the ball is in your hand. Every time we get the ball to you, think that, think that. And maybe Ray can start knocking down some shots, holding on the line. If he did that, then he would have been the MVP this year. If he played every minute of every, every second of every minute of every game, like it was the last five seconds, dude would average 60 points a game. Well, that's the great thing about playing basketball. That's why you have so many games in the series. Things can change, and basketball is a game of runs. And one guy who knows about basketball, he knows about hip-hop music and about runs, that is Scoop Jackson, Robert Scoop Jackson, and he hails from nowhere else but the H, the real H University, and that would be Howard University. Scoop Jackson joins the program. Scoop, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Like we say about uh, Howard, we went there. People ask, why'd you go to Howard? We say because we misspelled Harvard on our application. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me, let's talk about uh, uh, Howard real quick. Uh, talk about where you spent your time. Did you spend your time in Founders Library, the Valley, or the Punch-Out? Uh, mostly in, 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 in the Founders Library, uh, because I didn't go to undergrad at Howard. I went to undergrad at Xavier in uh, the University of New Orleans. So I was in grad school, and I had to pay my way through grad school. So, you know, there's a little bit of difference when it comes to being serious about your studies when it's coming out of your pocket. Right. So Founders Library got a lot of my time. And, you know, basically in, in, you know, in the apartment I was sharing with my man who was in grad school with me, so... The, uh, you know, the whole doing the, um, you know, you know, social thing at Howard wasn't there for me. Plus, I was in grad school and I was a little older, you know, so we were trying to do the grown up thing. So, you know, I was I was, <laughs> you know, I was kind of out in the streets and I was having fun. I wasn't on campus. <laughs> well, I see. T- see, kids, if you're out there listening, Scoop said he paid his way through grad school and education is real important. I know sometimes you hear the word student athlete and once you get to school the athletes come first but it's about that part of being student let's talk about the nba for a second i i know you're a native of chicago but you love your new york knicks and the big story this week is carmelo anthony he has a chance to opt out of his 23.5 million dollar contract with the knicks and the word on the street is maybe pat riley and the heat think about adding him to the mix to form a big four now being a new york knicks fan one how would you feel about that? And two, do you think that we could possibly see this take place in Miami? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, you know what? Um, I, I want to say that, you know, I think it's just, you know, like you said, word on the streets and people are making stuff up because they, you know, have nothing else to make up and you don't have to basically uh, accredit a specific source to where you get your information from. So it's just a bunch of blind information that's always being thrown out there. Um, and I'll say this is impossible to happen, but I've learned in being and doing this for 20 years that you can't, you know, ev- anything is possible. Um, as a, uh, as a Nick fan, I kind of want to see, you know, Melo play the rest of this thing out in the Nick uniform. Um, but I, I can't say that it won't happen in Miami because I don't know what, um, you know, nobody knows who's going to be brought to the table to make it happen. You know, is it going to be a situation where they trade off because uh, the Knicks don't want to, you know, lose Carmelo and not get anything in return in a situation where it plays out next year? 
You know, um, so I, I, I try to take the information with a grain of salt and not try to chase down whether it's factual or not factual because until July 1st, to be honest with you, nobody knows what the hell they're going to do. Right. You know, every, everything up at that date is speculation. Now, I'm pretty sure that if we spoke to, honestly, if we spoke to Carmelo right now and asked him what he was going to do, he would give us the same answer that Hillary Clinton is going to give us when we asked him what she's going to do. <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> So it's hard for me to jump the gun and say that I know more than the player does, or like I said, word on the street knows more than the player or the source does, because at this point, the source doesn't know. The source is still playing it out of his head, and the source has still not had conversations legally. Let's get right. this right. The source has not had legal conversations yet with the people that are involved in trying to bring them there. So until... Carmelo goes through that conversation officially with Phil Jackson, officially with Derek Fisher, until Pat Riley can officially have a conversation with Carmelo Anthony. All of this is just what it is, talk. <laughs> well, we're talking to Scoop Jackson, Robert Scoop Jackson of ESPN, journalist. He's written for Slam Magazine, the hip-hop magazine, U.S. Today, and you can find him at ESPN.com. He has written some great articles. Now, you know, you're a basketball aficionado, and everyone loves Michael Jordan on ESPN. There's always Michael Jordan highlights, and Michael has said himself that he didn't have to join or get with a group of guys to win a championship, unlike the way Chris Bosh and LeBron James. Now, I have my own take on this because, for me, Jordan couldn't get past the Detroit Pistons until he was able to add a couple of pieces. So is Michael right in saying this, though, he didn't have to go out and join with a group of guys knowing that he had Pippen, Rodman, Paxson, well, and Steve Kerr? Well, here's the deal. I, yes, you're right. But I think, you know, we, I, I, I kind of talked about this at the time when LeBron went and people were bringing up Mike and like, well, Mike never would have done this. And I think we need to go further in the story to get to the true root of it, you know, to, 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 to kind of um, invalidate what Michael is saying. It's not that Michael had everything going on for him in Chicago because he had Phil Jackson as a coach, because he had Scottie Pippen. You know, they, they had a team that he could build around. In right. order to make that comparison, you know, fair to LeBron's situation and LeBron when he did. I'm throwing Chris Boss out of this because he's not in the LeBron conversation. <laughs> LeBron. Michael would have had to have been at the sh playing for Charlotte, not Chicago. Right. So let's make the scenarios exact. Michael Jordan is born and well, spent most of his life born in Brooklyn, but he spent most of his life in North Carolina. So the equivalent to doing what LeBron did is going to North Carolina, playing for Charlotte, all right? And Charlotte is what Charlotte is at that time. And going through seven years, your first seven years of your career playing for Charlotte, there is no Phil Jackson there. There is no Scottie Pippen. You are trolling away in Charlotte. You are 20-whatever years old. You have never been any other place in your life outside of North Carolina. You have the opportunity to at least the world is giving you the opportunity to see the world. You can go to any place in the world to play basketball. You're telling me that Michael Jordan with Charlotte, Never leaving North Carolina in his whole life is going to sign a contract, you know, to stay in Charlotte, stay with playing for Charlotte for the next seven years? Absolutely not. Any, you, you present that to anybody, they're like, no, Michael's, yes, Michael's going to go. <laughs> He's going to go somewhere else. Now, if that happens to be with the Knicks to play with Patrick Ewing, cool. You know what I'm saying? If it happens right. to be to the Lakers to play with James Worthy, cool. But there's a factor to this that nobody takes into consideration because they're looking at the situation very literally and Michael saying if he was in Chicago. I say damn that. 
Mike, LeBron's situation in Cleveland is equivalent to Michael being stuck in Charlotte his whole life. And right. then this situation comes up where every team in the NBA wants him, and you're telling me he's going to stay in Charlotte. <laughs> it's not going to happen. If Michael says he was, he's lying to you. Hey, uh, Scoop, Mario Vitanzi here, man. So I, I, I love this energy you're bringing. So we're going to use that momentum, and I want you to give us a preview of game four tonight. So I'm just going to throw some numbers at you. you know, if, if they mean anything to you, roll with it. If not, just throw them right back in my face. But a lot of people are talking about if this Heat team could have beaten that Bulls team at that time. And it looks like they're having, a tr- they're having trouble beating the Spurs team simply because they're so evenly dispersed. I mean, you say that the, th- uh, the Spurs have a big three, but none of their big three scored more than 15 points the other night. I mean, aside from Kawhi Leonard, who had 29, nobody really had like a fantastic game. But you're looking at the plus minus. You know, Boris Diaw is plus 20. You're looking at Danny Green, who's plus 14. Then you flip to the other side. LeBron was minus 21. You know, and, and he didn't, I mean, to his standards, he had a subpar night. But for anybody else, obviously he had a fantastic night. Is this the formula to beating the Spurs team where you don't have one particular scar, uh, star night in and night out that is dominating the team, but you get even production from everybody? Is this the formula to beat this Heat team? And can the Spurs do it two more times to win the championship? Well, uh, yeah, I think they can do it two more times, but I think it's more than just you're looking at the numbers and looking at the, you know the you know what's analytically telling us what's happening with the game. I think it's more about can Miami match the intensity that San Antonio was bringing to the table, feeling that they did not you know um, they didn't get beat last year. They beat themselves. See, I, I think Miami went into this like, okay, this is a repeat. You know, and there's a difference between repeating and somebody coming in trying to get revenge. You know, what we basically see to me in San Antonio over the last couple of games is basically the mentality of this team is revenge. And that is in the fact that you took something from us. or we knew, You didn't take anything from us. You didn't even win something from us. We gave it to you. This is on us. And I don't see... Miami having that type of mentality. I don't see them protecting, you know, protecting the crown mentality. I don't see them trying to match what San Antonio was bringing to the table. Like, Miami should be on the mentality like, you know what? We're going to prove to you all that you all did not lose this last year. We beat you all. Right. They don't have that mentality. I have not seen that mentality in three games. So, uh, Mario, I hear everything you're saying about the numbers, but I think it's, it's more psychological than anything what we're seeing break it down. And I don't think Greg Popovich is really looking at, you know, all right, here, here's the X and O plan of how we're going to go with, you know, and, and, and if Tony is our lead scorer here or, you know, Manu does this here or Danny Green's hot here, you know, or Kawhi has a big – I don't think any of that matters to Greg Popovich. I think all he wants to do is make sure that every damn quarter – they are reminded, you know what I'm saying, that this is yes. revenge. This is, yeah, I think that over, however, however it plays itself out on the court is cool, but I think he has them so locked in in believing that they lost, that, that Miami did not beat them. Miami's not the better team. They're not even close to being a better team. You know, and I think that's what presides over all the numbers and everything. And I'm not sure, unless Eric Foles start, started it at his shoot-around yesterday, I'm not sure they got a chance of winning unless they find a way to mentally match what San Antonio is bringing to the table. All right. Well, if you just joined once again, we're talking to Scoop Jackson from ESPN.com. Scoop, I know you're about to, you, you need to get out of here. A couple more questions. For the past two years, two years in a row, we've seen two NBA guards walk from the court 
to head coaching jobs in the NBA. And we've mm -hmm. discussed several times on this program whether we could possibly see that same thing happening in the NFL and why it seems to be so much disparity with the hiring practices of the, both the NFL and the NBA. But I'll let you go ahead and comment on that. Well, you know, I think one of the things going trends, um, you know, and it's interesting to me, like just in the trend in the NBA, how, you know, players that don't have, you know, much coaching experience or any coaching experience at all, you know, are getting job opportunities and job offers. You know, I think that seems to be a trend going in the, um, in the NBA. Um, uh, how, how that trend is going to transfer to the NFL, you know, or any trend like that is going to transfer to the NFL, I don't know. Um, it, but once, you know, once something becomes successful, you know, the owners, owners tend to think alike. Right. You know, that, that was you're right. You know that was a big thing with the Donald Sterling thing. That I think was missed in that you know um, he kept mentioning friends of his. You right. know, and it was interesting. Like you know, nobody went further to investigate who these friends are. Are they other right. NBA owners? Are they NFL owners? Are they you know Major League Baseball? Who are, who are these friends? Because once again, millionaires not only tend to think alike, they tend to hang with each other. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the NFL because if. If, if if something jumps off correctly, you know, then everybody's going to follow their train. I'm surprised that, you know, um, with Pete Carroll being able to do what he's done, how come, like, you know, every damn, you know, Division One coach hasn't been snapped up? You know, you saw kind of Boston Celtics. You saw kind of Boston Celtics do the, uh, the Pete Carroll thing when they got, you know, Brad Stevens and pulled right. him over to the Celtics. I'm surprised the NFL hasn't followed that trend yet, but I'm waiting for that trend to happen. Well, well, Scoop, uh, we got five seconds before we get out of here. A quick question for you. Once again, I know you're a native of Chicago, and I play with Jay Cutler in Denver. Do you think that Jay Cutler is the type of quarterback to get the Bears to NFC Championship and yet alone the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, you know I I tend that says it all right there. Much, yeah, <laughs> I, I I just tend not to put that much on the quarterback because I you know I think it's I think it's a slap in the face of the game if we put that much year after year on a quarterback and not acknowledge thing that goes around him. You know, especially defense and special teams. You know, now I think in the case of Jay Cutler, I think he is the person that has the ability to do it, but everything has to be right around him. Now, looking at how the Bears played defense last year, and they fell from one of the top defenses in the league to mm -hmm. one of the worst, you know, um, if you give, i tell you this, with the offense the way it is, um, and everybody from Alshon, Jeffrey, to uh, um, uh, 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 Forte, Forte in the backfield, you have balance every place, and that tight end is working for you. If yeah. you can get that defense to be half of what it was two years ago, and love you, Smith, then Jay Cutler has a chance. Well, I, I there it is. a roundabout answer, but I'm trying to give you the most extensive answer <laughs> outside of putting everything on the quarterback because I don't – I mean, look at Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is great. You know, Colin Kaepernick is great. You know, you look at a lot of quarterbacks are great, but, and, but very rarely are you going to see the Peyton Mannings where, you know, the quarterback has to do everything and everything is revolved around him and you're going to win the Super Bowl. To me, that's part of the reason why Peyton Manning only has one Super Bowl. It's everything else around him has to work. And in the Bears situation with Jay Cutler, because he's not the quote-unquote Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Drew Brees, he's not at that level yet. He's on, to me, he's on the same level as, as a Tony Romo. You know, they're in that same ilk. A lot of things have to be working around him. And I think they had an offense to do it, but – they have to make some type of commitment to defense to get them, you know, to the mid. They have to be a mid-level defense. They can't be at the bottom of the barrel in order for it to work with Jay Cutler. Right. There it is from Scoop Jackson, ESPN.com. Check him out. Game four tonight, 
9 p.m. Eastern Time, Heat and the Spurs Scoop. Thanks for joining the program. Coming up after hey, the break. Thank you. It's Coming up honest, after the break. Been on, I appreciate it. Wait, uh, I got thank you very much. Let y'all go. Who y'all got winning the game tonight? Well, I'm Spurs. Taking, I, I'm taking the Heat. Yeah, so. I'm taking the Spurs, too. <laughs> the AC is going to go out again. Oh, come on, Scoop. Come on, Mario. We'll get into a little more after the break. And me and Mario debate the Heat, the Spurs. Who wins tonight? That was a great Scoop Jackson joining the program after the break. We'll talk about that and more. You listen to Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, that was some great stuff from uh, Scoop Jackson from ESPN.com. And uh, while we were at the break, Mario was uh, talking about how I always claim to be a Jedi and a Star Wars fan and how I'm allowing my emotions to take control of me. And anyone who knows anything about Star Wars knows that that is the line that the light side and the dark side straddles when you talk about whether you're going to be a Jedi or a Sith. And, And, you know, for me... I think I I have a a nice baseline on being able to control my emotion. It's when you're not able to control your emotion, then it gets out of hand. Good. Let the hate (laughs) you. You know what, Mario? And I tell you, the dark side. (laughs) There was a part in Return of the Jedi, and all Star Wars fans know this, where Luke, I believe, was tempted a little with the dark side, especially. When Darth Vader said, listen, 
if you won't join us because you just betrayed your sister, because I just read your mind, if you won't join us, then maybe your sister will. And then that rage that he was filled with came out. And he but, was you're, but you're Mace Windu, Nick. <laughs> Mace Windu never faltered, okay? He got zapped and lightning bolted ah. out of a window before he turned to the dark side. Well, you know what, CC? That was awful because when I saw that... Say dark side say dark side again. I dare you. I double dare you. <laughs> I, was I was so waiting for him to say that. Yeah, I was so upset. I was like, come on, bring the, the Jackie Brown Samuel L. Jackson out or the Pulp Fiction. Uh, hey, and Samuel of course, <laughs> of course they gotta of course they gotta kill the one Jedi brother. Come on, man. You know what? You know, when I when I watched those movies, you know, whether it was Lando Calrissian that was played by Billy D. Williams or Mace Window played by Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, there was only been like one minority Jedi or one minority player in those Star Wars movies. Maybe in 2015, J.J. Abrams changed the whole thing and put brothers everywhere. Can you imagine that? <laughs> okay, but well then let me ask you this, Nick, and then we'll get back into our, our sports talk. If you could pick one brother out there right now, an actor, who would play a Jedi in the upcoming movie, who would you want to do it? Wow, you know what? Here it is. Because every movie needs a little bit of comic relief. How about Chris Rock? Oh, God, I thought you were going to say Kevin Hart for a second. I was going to have to reach to the computer and slap you. <laughs> Absolutely not. Chris Rock would be uh, great. You see, you see what happened is uh, uh, I, I have a lightsaber, but, then, but the way my bank account is set up is... Uh, <laughs> say it with your chest. Say with your chest, dark side. <laughs> well, this Sunday is Father's Day, and I think my Father's Day started a little early because the NBA playoffs kicked off this past weekend, and I was trying to pull a double duty. I, my kids wanted to see Maleficent, and I didn't want to disappoint my kids, so I take them to the theater, and I'm sitting there, and every five minutes, I'm on my phone checking the score to see what's going on. <laughs> checking the score to see what's going on. My wife is looking at me like, Nick, what's, what's wrong? Going on. I said, you know what? Something's malfunctioning with my phone. The light keeps popping on. And I'm checking my phone like, yeah. And I'm trying to be quiet in the theater while I watch this movie. But hey, that's me being a father and wanting to see my Miami Heat face the San Antonio Spurs. So that called me playing double duty. Now, when we had Scoop Jackson on, we were talking about Carmelo Anthony and the fact that he can opt out of his contract and go to the New York Knicks. But here's something bigger than that. Uh, earlier this week, you know, Derek Fisher signed on to be the new head coach of the New York Knicks. And it was rumored that maybe Steve Kerr would get this job. But I have to ask you, I mean, having Derek Fisher there with the New York Knicks and being as though he's like nine days removed from playing with OKC, do you see this as being a great fit for the New York Knicks? I mean, what what is the definition of a great fit? I mean, everybody was so excited about Jason Kidd joining the Nets. It's like, did he do a fine job? Yeah, sure, he was okay. But, I mean, look at the Eastern Conference, Nick. I guess that they have the benefit of being in a very weak conference, but that doesn't change the fact that the Heat are still going to be there for years to come. You know, he's, it's they're not going to be as good as the Pacers. I mean, in my opinion, they're not going to be as good as the Nets or the Raptors uh, in the coming years. So how much of, a, how much of an impact... Uh, can Derek Fisher really have? Even if he's a fantastic coach and he ends up being a great leader, I, I, I just don't, I don't see New York as a serious contender, at least for, you know, the several years to come. 
And I, and that's, I'm, you know, doing my best to set aside how much I dislike Carmelo Anthony. And I'm trying to give you a very well thought out thing. And, and here's the thing. I think he realized that he made a mistake choosing New York, not necessarily leaving Denver. I mean, I understand why he would want to do that, but he thought that pastures would be greener in New York. But here's the thing, Nick, the grass isn't green on the other side. The green, the grass is greener where you water it. Right. And he took his water can and he left it in Denver. Okay. So I, I mean, I'm not necessarily that he's going to join the heat and you know, they're going to have the big four and the greatest team ever assembled. But I do think eventually he's going to want out of New York because it's just bad vibes, you know, bad energy, and it's just not working for him right now. But can Derek Fisher turn it around? I don't know. Did did Jason Kidd turn it around? The Nets had a very similar season as they did the year before, and they had all that young, or yeah, young, all that expiring talent <laughs> out there. So it's mostly about the players, man. If they start making moves, then I can see it. But look at their draft. I mean, right. the Nuggets had their first-round draft pick, so they were already not a very good team, and then they made the mistake of not even being able to draft this year in the yeah, first but, round. When you so talk it's, about, it's like the poor get poorer and the rich right. get richer. Yeah, but when you talk about Jason Kidd, you know, even walking off the court and walking to the Brooklyn Nets head coaching job, even though they stumbled early on, they were able to get into the playoff. They beat a young or talented Toronto Raptors team, which I think will be back in the NBA playoffs again this season. Then they went Raptors off. This will be the two seed in the Eastern Conference right. next year behind the Heat. I guarantee and, it. And then the Brooklyn Nets went on to face the Miami Heat, their old rival, call it the Brooklyn Celtics or whatever, whatever you want to call it. But they faced off to the Miami Heat, and we know how that, how that went. But still, you have to give Jason Kidd some credit. So from an optimism standpoint, maybe the New York Knicks fans look at Derek Fisher and say, well, Here's a possibility because maybe we get into the playoffs. Maybe no, we don't win this year, but maybe it's a stepping stone. Maybe signing Carmelo Anthony, cementing that offense, maybe that helps. But I still don't think having Phil Jackson, Derek Fisher as a new hire, would be enough to keep Carmelo Anthony in the building because when you look at it, $23.5 million is what he's going to be opting out of. Now, it gets to a point where you're looking at money to rings. And to me, this is a no-brainer. This is a logical situation. You've seen Kevin Durant get to the NBA Finals and the playoffs. You've seen LeBron James went back-to-back -back and could possibly win three in a row. I mean, you've seen all your guys you played with, who you wanted to play with, who you were on the national uh, basketball team with, the Olympic-winning basketball team, win championships or get to the playoffs. So at what point do you not want to win a ring? And even $23.5 million dollars, Will not. It could, but it would not be legit, but it will not buy you an NBA championship. So logically, where's the Miami Heat or the Indiana Pacers or the Chicago Bulls? It is clear cut that the New York Knicks is not the team for Carmelo Anthony. Exactly. It's, it's simple. Yeah, I mean, so, you're exactly right. So, so when I, when I, when I think, of, think about it, and I know you don't have high affinity for these two people, Lala and Carmelo Anthony, but I, I think it would be better served if they took their talents to South Beach. And we asked Scoop about the, the, the whole question of Jordan not teaming up with other players. And I, I think both Jordan and Magic and Chicago Bulls fans and Lakers fans were really spoiled because they never looked at the fact of, well, when you look at, and I'm going to give you a couple of names, when you look at the fact of 
what the Lakers had. You had Magic Johnson, Kareem, James Worthy, Michael Thompson, A.C. Green, Michael Cooper, Kurt Rambis, just to mention a few. Now, let's look at what Michael had. He had Bill Cartwright, Scottie Pippen, John Paxson, Horace Grant, Craig Hodges, B.J. Armstrong, and Dennis Rodman. Now, he might not have gone and joined those teams, those particular players, but Jerry Krause got those players in the building to play with Michael, and that was the only reason Mike can say that he has as many rings as he has. That's the only reason that Mike can say that he beat Chuck Daly and the bad boys they are, the Detroit Pistons. Other than that, Michael, you wouldn't have won any championship. Now, I love you. I like your gear, your Gatorade commercials, whatever. But let's keep things in perspective. And talking about perspective, we're going to bring in Roberta Anding. She is a nutritionist specialist for the Houston Texans and the Houston Astros. Roberta, thank you for joining us today on Secondary Perspective. Well, Nick Ferguson, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to be on with you. Isn't that such an uh, enchanting voice, Mario? <laughs> Yeah, I'm so like calm and relaxed right now. You know, you got me all fired up talking, you know, <laughs> mentioning Mello and Lala and Roberta yeah. came on. It's like, man, like no wonder, you know, she's a nutritionist. Like I already feel better. Oh, good. Yes. That's good to hear. Good to hear. <laughs> so, so, so Roberta, last week, you know, uh, Twitter went ablaze and everyone's talking about LeBron James and how can elite athletes cramp the way that they cramp now. Give our listeners a little insight on how one can prevent cramping and most importantly, how this can not only happen to elite athletes, but weekend warriors as well. You got it. And I think, you know, I certainly have not worked with LeBron James, but you don't really have to look too far beyond what you see to tell how freakishly lean that man is. Right. And lean men are more cramp prone in my experience than men who have a little um, fluffiness around the middle. Mm-hmm. And so well, he's that's a nice way of putting him, it, Roberta. Of course, that's, that's anybody that you want to you know, point a finger at. Um, right. Looking at him, you look at it and think, okay, he's cramp prone. I don't think he could have anticipated that the air conditioning would fail. Right. But I would also say in someone who's cramp prone, at some point in time, if you can't get enough fluid in by mouth to match the fluid out, mm-hmm. you've got to go in and get an IV at halftime to be able to prevent some of those issues from happening. So when you think about cramps, and Nick, you certainly know this from playing in the sauna that is Houston, Texas, Absolutely. Um, that you can lose, let's say, oh, I don't know, seven or eight pounds in a practice, and for every pound you lost, it's 16 ounces of sweat that you didn't replace. Right. So let's say someone loses 10 pounds in a practice or 10 pounds out cutting their grass, that means they sweat out 160 ounces of fluid, which is about a gallon and a half. So to drink that amount of fluid becomes really dicey. So cramps are caused by dehydration first, pretty hard to, to manage at the times, and then it's salt depletion. Most people think, well, I'll eat a banana and stop the cramping, and my response is, if you put some salt on it, that might work. But unless you <laughs> replace the major electrolyte in, in sweat it's not going to fix it. So, you know, trendy things like coconut water, which is good to drink for a lot of other reasons. Coconut water is not a sports drink, and so it has potassium, but it doesn't have any sodium. So dehydration, sodium depletion. So, again, if you're that weekend warrior, weighing yourself before and after exercise is something you can do to, to make sure that, oops, I lost four or five pounds. This is now how much I need to drink. The other thing you can do, because we all do it, is check the color of your urine. 
If your urine looks like apple juice, you're dry. If it looks like um, motor oil, please go to the emergency room. But those are things that everybody can do, that weekend warrior that's, you know, going out and running a 5K or, you know, working out hard in their yard. It's not just the professional athlete. It's the everyday person. So, so what, what is the best way? Because we're coming upon the, the time of the season where NFL players going back to training camp. It's hot. It's humid in some places. In your experiences, what has been the best way for guys to maintain muscle mass? Uh, and that's a great question. And um, you, when you think about what football is and what makes this sport wonderful and unique for a lot of different reasons, is football players, because they either deliver hits or they take them, the body is kind of in a, a constant state of injury. Uh, the injury could be small, not injury like a broken leg, but like a big muscle or bruise on your thigh. And when your body is injured, it ends up burning more muscle than it does fat. And so one of the things that you have to do is you actually have to monitor people over time. So if I was taking care of you as a football player, Nick, in 2014, you're a really lean guy. I'd want to make sure that as you're losing weight, that I'm giving you extra protein, I'm making sure that you have protein before you go to bed, that you have adequate amounts of calories. So we do everything behind the scenes to protect you as a football player and as a man. Well, last question. We have about 30 seconds left. In your experience in all your years in this business, have you run into any pushback from any professional franchise as you're trying to tell them the best way to manage the health and well-being of their players? Generally not. And the reason is because everybody's looking for that edge. And so 10 years ago, the answer would have been, yeah, this is not football. This is not the way we do it. But as the players get bigger, stronger, faster, science and not trends and fads really need to replace some of the traditions in football. So you now see people say, what else can we do? And nutrition, fortunately for me, has been elevated. So the pushback I got 10 years ago is gone. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, if you're out there listening, you can follow her at Roberta Ending on Twitter, sports dietitian for the Houston Texans and the Astros and the Rice Owls. She's doing everything. And she's also the director of sports nutrition at Texans, uh, Texas Children's Hospital. Roberta, thank you for joining the program and blessing us with that insightful information and such an eloquent voice of bringing the tone <laughs> down here on Secondary Perspective. Thanks so much. And I'm <laughs> That's what we you, need. Mr. Ferguson. Miss seeing you a lot. So take care. All right. Thank you. Coming up after the break, of course, that famous topic, that segment, you know, I don't even have to say it. Stick around for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective <laughs> right here. You listen to it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm going in. And I'm a boom hole. 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 That's right. Real talk segment. Let's get into it. Right now, of course, last week, Colin Kaepernick signs this ginormous contract. Seven years. $1.126 million, $61 million of that guaranteed. I don't know about you. The guy goes to the playoffs. He's kissing his biceps. He's doing beef commercials. The only thing he's doing wrong is maybe throwing a ball late to, to Crabtree, both in the Super Bowl against the Baltimore Ravens and, once again, in a playoff game against Richard Sherman. Why throw the Crabtree? But to add to that real talk, the Chargers and Miami were dropped against Colin Kaepernick. Real talk, Mario. Get into it. Real talk, man. First off, glad that these Chargers were dropped. I mean, it's it's. I know we joke a lot, but it's never fun to see something like this come up, especially with an athlete with the kind of clout that he has. So just want to clear that up. Now, as far as the contract is concerned, Nick, I absolutely love it as long as they maintain one of the best defenses in the NFL and some of the best offensive weapons for him to throw to. Because as soon as Frank Gore falls off, and it'll be soon, and as soon as Vernon Davis is gone, and Anquan Bolden is gone, and Michael Crabtree is gone, Colin Kaepernick will be no more. Do you know why? He is a fantastic athlete, Nick. He is a terrific football player. He is an average quarterback at best. Real talk. He doesn't deserve this kind of money. Russell Wilson does. Real talk. Russell Wilson definitely does deserve that type of money. Maybe Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks are drawing up the papers as we speak to make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL in his young tender. Now, hard knocks. Everyone gets a chance to look deep inside of what happens in the personnel as far as players are concerned, and what happens before the game and after the game, 
in the NFL season. This year, the Atlanta Falcons were awarded the hard knocks. Now, there were some hard knocks early on this season with both wide receiver Roddy White and Julio Jones, who both had brothers who were shot this past offseason. So that's going to be interesting to see how the emotional drama plays out. But the Atlanta Falcons, hard knocks. Yes, no, maybe. Real talk. What you say? Real talk, Nick. I really don't care. I was hoping that we could get some Cleveland Browns in on this just because I want to see what happens with Johnny Manziel. I want to see him showing up drunk, hungover to <laughs> practice. Okay. As far as the Falcons, yeah, there are some good storylines. Julio Jones coming back. Steven Jackson trying to have a bounce back here. Matt Ryan kind of like in that awkward spot between, you know, mid-tier quarterback to potentially elite. But, you know, last year was absolutely terrible. To be honest, man, I'm not really a big fan of Hard Knocks. I've tried to get into it. It just doesn't do it for me, mostly because they don't find teams that I really want to watch or that I care about. And why is that, Nick? Because any team that I would care about is smart enough to not let cameras into their practice facility. There's a reason (laughs) that the Jets did it, and they were a terrible football team. Real talk, As long if it's not the Broncos, I'm not watching. All right, real talk. Fever World Cup starts today on ESPN. Usually I don't get into soccer, but this is the only time of the year that I watch soccer. I spend time in NFL Europe, and the fans go bananas. They go bananas for NFL football, and they go bananas for soccer. We call it soccer, but it's football to them. Fever World Cup, Brazil, bananas. You got the women, you got the beaches. What more do you want? I know where I'm going to be in front of the television watching the World Cup. But here's the only problem that I have, real talk. How is it that a soccer game, a match, goes for such a long time, but then it's even at 0-0, but now it comes down to penalty kicks? Shouldn't they just go ahead and just start the game and end the game with penalty kicks? Because I absolutely hate this part of soccer. Real talk. Real talk, man. Listen, Nick, I am a true American, red, white, and blue through and through. That's why I'm going to be honest when I say I don't pretend to care about soccer (laughs) once every four years. If America wins, great. Am I going to give a little applaud? No, because it's soccer and I couldn't care less about it. I'm a football fan. I'm a baseball fan. I'm a basketball fan. I'm a hockey fan. I got too much stuff going on to pretend to care about soccer. People have been inviting me over to their houses. Hey, man, you know, are you going to talk about it on your show? Do you want to come watch the World Cup? No, because I'm adult and I have better things to do. <laughs> I'm an adult and I have better things to do. You know what? This is a great time. You know, FIFA World Cup. It could be like single de Mayo all month long. You know, you're watching soccer, you're drinking Mai Tais, you're eating chips and dip. What more can you want, Mario? Embrace the other side. Come on, man. It's just like like the Olympics. And I love watching the Olympics because they're actually sports like or activities for some of them that are enjoyable to watch. And they don't stay with one thing for two and a half hours just to see the score be zero zero. But again, every four years, I'm supposed to care about how fast my country can slide down an icy hill. I just don't get it, man. I'm an American, but just because I don't like soccer and I don't want to root for Team USA doesn't mean that I'm a commie. Well, come on, man. Just, just see, see, have you had a chance to really sit down and watch a soccer match in its entirety? Do you watch the footwork that it takes? It's just like hockey. 
the, the ability to use a stick in the puck and cross someone over like they would do in, in basketball. I mean, to do that is phenomenal. That bicycle kick, kick inside the net, that is bananas. Nick, I work, I work with my hands, okay? I mean, in my off time, aside from this, I'm a therapist. So I work on people. I help heal them. So something that involves you not being able to use your hands, the concept of that escapes me, Nick. I tell you what. Once again, like I said, real talk, I'm going to be watching the FIBA World Cup. I want to see what every country has to offer, and then maybe we get some of those spectacular shots uh, maybe the Brazilian women walking on the beach, something I don't know. Rio de Janeiro, I'm, I can't be there, so at least I can watch it and watch a great soccer match. Now, hey, you can window shop. You just can't buy anything. <laughs> you know what? I'm not just looking for the beaches. I want to see some great play on the field. The footwork is, is phenomenal. And to me, I, once again, I look at it as hockey, and I look at soccer being the same thing. You're used to playing sports using your hand, but now you're using a puck and you're using your feet. It's phenomenal what these guys can do with the soccer ball. It's just, it's just crazy. It just blows my mind. Yeah, man, if you're into that kind of thing, like, I'm not going to poo-poo on it. Like, if you want to watch it, Nick, you go ahead and then just let me know next week what happened. <laughs> I will let you know next week. Real talk, I saved this one for you. We talked about it briefly on the show so far, and Scoop Jackson got into it. Let's talk a little bit of Carmelo Anthony. Real talk, I would definitely love to see Carmelo Anthony join the Miami Heat because, like I said before, rings matter at this point. Not money, but rings. And if he were to join that team, and LeBron said earlier, not one, not two, not three, and just keep them coming, buddy. Just keep them coming. Rings, rings, rings galore. And I know Carmelo Anthony doesn't want to... Leave his career saying, listen, I got this stockpile of money, but I have no rings. Real talk, Carmelo Anthony, Miami, Ring City. Real talk, here's the thing, man. There is such thing, in my opinion, as karma. And the basketball gods are punishing Carmelo Anthony for the way that he did Denver. And they're punishing Lala by giving her a husband who simply is not very successful and it's her own damn fault. So is he going to have the opportunity to go to Miami? No, because the basketball gods simply will not allow it. He's just not a very good person, and neither is she. Real talk, Melo's going to be Melo's going to go down as one of the greatest scorers in the NBA history that does not have a ring. Womp womp. Well, you know what? I'm going to have to call Roberta back and tell her, you know what? This is the calmest. But Nick, hey, hey no, I mean, minute, did you hear? Listen. Did you hear how calm I was? Like I wasn't even. I, like usually, I yell, I raise yeah. my voice. I'm so mellow right now. Oh, you see what I did there? Yeah, I saw. I saw that. No pun, <laughs> no pun intended. But I'm going to have to call Roberta and have her come on weekly to see if she can keep you calm because this yet again is the calmest I've ever seen you in a real talk segment. And I have to be totally honest. I've hey, I got range, seen- bro. Yeah, you know, and I've never seen you talk about Carmelo and his wife in such a nice, <laughs> calm, docile type of manner. I mean, I'm I'm blown away listening to you, but Carmelo Anthony is never going to win ring, Nick. Period. See, now you, you're starting to channel your inner Samuel L. Jackson, but <laughs> continue with real. I dare you. I double dare you. Oh man, you kill you're killing me right now. Sticking uh, sticking with real talk right now. 
Let's talk about something that no one is talking about, and it's talking about Pat Riley. Everyone's talking about LeBron James, Greg Popovich. You talk about Red Auerbach when you talk about championship rings and even the great Phil Jackson himself that's in New York with the Knicks. But no one's talking about Pat Riley, how many rings he has, how many teams that he's put together. He's gotten put the three big three together, and he's helped taking uh, LeBron, Chris Bosh, and D-Wade back-to-back championships. They've been to the playoffs, what, four straight years? No one's talking about that. If they go out and they can rebound, starting with game four tonight on ESPN at, at nine, I will be watching that. If they can get things back on track, possibly Pat Riley can go down as one of the best players, coaches, GMs, that the NBA has ever seen. And that is definitely real talk, whether you're a Heat fan or not. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Go ahead, Mario. (laughs) Hey, here's the thing. And you're right about uh, Riley. And it's strange that he doesn't get more coverage. But, you know, people are just too busy talking about Mark Cuban and Phil Jackson. And, I mean, Pat Riley just doesn't really do anything to put him in the media in, in any sense, good or bad. But here's the thing with the games, Nick. I don't see the Spurs losing another home game. I simply don't. And the reason I say that is because they went back to the 2-2-1-1-1 format. Nick, if it was still 2-3-2 and the Heat had two more games in Miami, they would win both of those games and they would be up 3-2, then they would just have to win one more. Mm -hmm. And that's why I had such a problem with it because the lower seed team – technically, in my opinion, had the advantage because you have so much momentum playing three games in a row in your home stadium. I mean, you spread those games out. That's like, what, a week and a half that you get to stay home, sleep in your own bed, practice in your own facility, that home court advantage. So going back to the 2-2-1-1-1 was a smarter decision, and it's going to be detrimental to the Miami Heat because they get one more game in Miami. And look, man, I, I know I picked the Spurs. It's going to be very difficult for them to win tonight. Miami's going to come out. You know LeBron's going to have a huge game. The air conditioning's going to hold up. And everything's <laughs> going to be peachy. They're not going to score 70-plus points in the first half ever again. But then they're going to go back to San Antonio. Then they'll go back to Miami and then back to San Antonio. And you're getting these breaks. There's plenty of time in between games, which is exactly what the Spurs need. They're such a deep team, they're just going to bury the Miami Heat in their big three. And with the Spurs, it's a common misconception. It's not not a big three. It's an above-average size eight. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, their bench has been really productive in these NBA playoffs. But we will see tonight on the Four Letter Network what happens in Game 4. If the Heat lose tonight, then I'm going to concede and say the Spurs have officially won the NBA title in the year 2014. So I'd like to thank Scoop Jackson for joining the program and the calm, docile, mellowing out secondary perspective. <laughs> Roberta Andy for joining the program. I'd like to thank the guys back in Phoenix for hooking us up. Justin, thank you for always making everything go as smooth as possible. I'm Nick Ferguson, my three amigos. That's Mario Vitanzi, and this is Secondary Perspective, broadcasting live from Church Scientology here in Los Angeles. Have a great weekend and go heat. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 